This is the Leapcast, where we talk about how today's current events impact your real life. If you are tired of politics or you are just exhausted from the spin, this show is for you. My name is Andrew Lieb, and every week I host a talk radio show breaking down the news from an independent point of view. We discuss real estate, business, and your health. Hear from the experts and learn the truth on the Leapcast. Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lieb. Welcome back. Welcome back. She's so, so formal. Welcome back, boys and girls. You say welcome back on like every single time. I sound so good when I say it. No, I sound great. Let's hear you enunciate it one more time. Let's do it one more time. Welcome. What was your voice last week? That was good. No. What did you do? You just said give me a round oh. of applause. Andrew well, had like a whiny yeah. voice last week. <laughs> Welcome back. Or I don't That's know. not whiny. No. Fine. Everybody, welcome back. If you were listening to our last segment, we were introducing our fourth person here besides Andrew Lieb. Lauren. You mean all my four personalities? Well, yeah, actually. And you can change your and voice. Back to it's him. Kind of Always back to him. Yeah. <laughs> the Andrew Lieb show. So we have Adriana now with us, who's our most recent hire in our real estate transaction department. The people that do the closings at Lieb Law, because we've been getting between four and five new deals a day. And we were hiring and we didn't think we were going to hire so quick. We hire her right on the spot. And there's a lot of reasons for it. But you know, Steve Ciliato, who's the partner in charge of that department, has been on the show before. He doesn't love being on the show. But I'm just going to give you a little story that I think is interesting about Adriana. We had this, um, how do I put it, um, high-stressed real estate broker the other day whose deal fell apart the day before. And the deal fell apart, Lauren, because the seller didn't move out of the house. We were representing the buyer? Yes. So we thought it would be a wise idea for the buyer not to buy until the seller moved out of the house. Do we agree with that one so far? And so... I mean, can you just imagine trying to get into a house and there's just the families there? (laughs) So there was all this schmutz too, but a whole nother story. Schmutz. Yeah, schmutz. Like what's defined schmutz? They're dirt. They're filth. They're nonsense. They're they're not just a family in there. It was a dirty family. It wasn't broom clean is what I'm telling you. It wasn't ready to be moved into. But they were clean... Well, it only matters if you're zestfully clean because you're not fully clean until you are zestfully clean. You should know that. Stay with that moisturizer. So here's the thing. The person didn't move out. Deal dies. This was... Does it die? I don't know. You tell me since you're telling the story now. (laughs) I don't know. I think I want Adriana on this. (laughs) Well, Adriana on what, Lauren? Does the deal die, Adriana? No, it didn't die. It didn't die. So just so I understand... The we were representing a buyer, and a buyer couldn't couldn't move in. Yeah, the buyer couldn't move in yet because the people wouldn't move out. Exactly. Okay. So anyway, to the point that we're trying to make here of why we hired Adriana, which I thought was important, but you with your squirrel, go find it. It went over there. Go get it. Go get it. It's over there. It's, it's not there. All anymore. right, go find that squirrel. <laughs> All right, back to where we were. Is that. The broker, the next day after, by the way, we had our whole schedule cleared for this closing. Someone was in the office for the closing, calls up at nine in the morning, wants responses, wants to talk to my partner, wants to talk to me. Mind you, I have nothing to do with the deal whatsoever. 
Eventually, my partner speaks to her. She doesn't find that to be enough. She has to talk to me. I speak to her for 20 minutes. She's complaining that the deal is not going to happen when she wants it to happen. I say, we're available tomorrow. We're available the day after. We're available next week. But I can't make another attorney do something. I can't make them go. I'm going to ask them. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to hope that they go to the closing. I actually suggested maybe she wanted me to go with a gun. I said, is that what you're expecting? Is you want me to go with a gun and force the other attorney to go? Because I don't understand how else you want me to make someone do something. Not that I'd ever go with a gun or do anything <laughs> like that. I was just trying to figure out what's going on in her mind when she's telling me to go to the other. She's yelling I, at me. I feel like because you're the managing attorney of Leave Out Law, that, you, that just means that you manage our adversaries maybe? Anyway, so some people get along and some people don't. She had a problem with me. She had a problem with Steve. She don't like this communication. She don't like that communication. She not happy. So I'm going to tell you what we did. I said, Adriana, you call her up and bake friends. Sometimes a personality change works. So Adriana calls her later in the day. And why don't you tell us about the conversation? Yeah. So I just called her up. I waited till the end of the day to make sure a lot of time has passed. So she wasn't mad anymore. Mm, um, that's good. Yes. Yeah. So she answered the phone. At first, she was not happy still. She was still going on and on about the same stuff that she was talking about that morning to, to Andrew. And then I was just like, you know what? I, that's so ridiculous. Like, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, that's that's crazy. Like, I completely understand. She was like, yeah, that is crazy. I, I yeah. feel a little calmer, actually, now that I hear that. I don't know. Yeah. It's your voice. It's calming. Yeah. It's you, you, it's really, Adriana. That's you really you, all it took. She was like, yeah, yeah, you know what? It is ridiculous. I agree with you. And then uh, she completely calmed down. Um, she asked me for, actually, I introduced myself to her. I said, I'm going to be working here from now on. If you want to talk to me instead of Steve, you don't want to talk to him. Um, you can just reach out to me directly. And she was like, you know what? That's great. Like, can I have your contact information? Um, I would really appreciate talking to you, working with you in the future. So then, yeah. So I emailed her my information and uh, yeah, hopefully we work together. Hopefully she calls me. In the future. So here's the good part of the story. None of this matters to what I was trying to tell you. <laughs> here's the part that matters. I said to Adriana, go as she gets off, I'm like, how'd that go? I didn't know how it went. And I'm always managing everything around here. And I, I want to know what's going on. Do we have a problem anymore? Is this person going to bad mouth? Does this person hate me? Is this person actually showing up with that gun? I just wanted to know what, you know, there was a real estate transactional guy that was shot. Yeah, I saw it Queens. Yeah, I don't want any of that in yeah. my life. I want none of that. So I, I'm worried a little. I'm always worried. Reputation, safety. I got people to worry about. I, I'm actually surprised lawyers don't get killed more often. No, let's not suggest that. <laughs> I want none of that. Bad idea. Lawyers are your friends. We're like Care Bears. Squeeze us. Cuddle us. Not like Cuomo did, but just do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so here's the thing. I said to Adrian, how'd it go? And she goes, that was fun. <laughs> and so I want you to know that's why we hired her. Like that was the exact right experience that a transactional attorney needs to have is that they deal with emotions. Lauren's right. Yes, her voice is soothing and calming. Thank and the way you. she did it is made nice to like feel like you've been heard. And that's what Lauren was saying. Correct, Lauren? Yeah, I just want to feel like somebody's on my side. But what's more important isn't how she deals with other people, but that she thought it was fun to do it in the first place. Yeah. Because otherwise, some people like t internalize this stuff and they go home and they're depressed and this is bad and this one's yelling at me and this is bad. So anyway, 
Adriana sends her her information, and I'm actually curious a little about the information because I hired this girl, and I don't know how to say her last name. <laughs> and one of the reasons that I hired her is she told me, and this is, I, I'm going to want to say this wrong, more to your employment lawyer, okay. but it was because she recently got married, but that's not why I hired her. It was because she was changing her name to something that was simpler. So yes. I want to be clear. It wasn't that she got married. It was that she was changing her name. Am I safe from employment discrimination on yeah, marriage? There's n- yes. There's no uh, protected class for hard to say last names. Okay. So the new last name. <laughs> or else I good. would never get it. <laughs> you would too. You're Weird, Weird Al's cousin. So what, what is? My ma- my married name is Mason. Mason. Very easy. We really, really like yes. that Wait, it's not yeah. Mason? <laughs> not okay. Mason. Oh. Mm, Mason. So it's pretty Yeah, easy. very simple. Yeah. Your current last name that you're using until you get licensed yes, is? Yes, it's Sudich. It's not that bad. It's not that it's bad. Titch. People, everyone mispronounces it, but it's spelled how it sounds. Sudich. That's C-H at the end. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's much Sudich. easier to say Mason than that's, Sudich. That's true. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, Adriana, I was a professor for a little while. Uh-huh. And on the final exam, after the entire semester with these kids, mm-hmm. was how do you spell the professor's last name? And my last name has four Your letters. last name they couldn't spell? 40% got it right. What? Yeah. How could they? How they did they spell it? They never learned that I go before I was E, gonna say, except yeah, after <laughs> C, and they would do E E E I. You know, when I when I give out my email address, people always say, "Wait, wait, let me read it back to you." L E I B. Yeah. Like, I don't. It's yeah. I after E except after C. Yes. <laughs> like it's basic nursery rhymes. Yes. So anyway, I thought it was interesting that Adriana Mason. <laughs> See, I'm already going with that. Yeah. Sudich is true, but but at the end of the learn <laughs> like it will be Mason. Yeah, I'm going Mason. Though it's easier for me. All right. So, in honor of your husband, yes, and He'll the fact that. that he's going to become Sudich <laughs> is we're going with Mason. So here's the thing, Adriana. This gal Laura Ewan, I think is how Ewan Ewan something like that from Newsday wrote an article. And I thought the article was appropriate for the first week for a transactional attorney. And there were some things she wrote that weren't true. And there were some things that she wrote that we should expand upon. She's a Newsday writer. And you all know I love Newsday. They make news every day. And we used to do our continuing education school in their old headquarters. Like she writes this article, what to know when a contract falls apart, which is kind of interesting after this experience that happened this week where the buyer is going to the closing, right, Lauren? Yeah. And the seller didn't move out. And the schmutz. Remember the schmutz? (laughs) All right. So she first writes, a seller can try to force a buyer to buy. I read that. A seller can try to force a buyer to buy. And I say to myself, I want to go to Adriana. I want to, uh, I want to know what to do in the transaction. And I read this line, Adriana. How does she plan on the seller forcing the buyer to buy? Are they going to bring them with like uh, back to my gun thing? Is it going to be electroshock therapy that goes on? Are they going to just intimidate them? Wait, you can't just go to night court? And go in the middle of the session at two in the morning. Let's say, say you went to night Let's court. Let's get through this. How do you force anyone to buy? Like, I don't, I don't yeah, get it. Yeah, no, I don't think that you can force anyone. To, I don't think that you can do that based on my f- four days of working here so far. I don't know. It's impossible you, yeah. to force someone to buy. Now, a seller's only recourse is if the contract has what's called a liquidated damages clause, meaning that the parties have agreed that damages are hard to to ascertain in the future, so they've set them advanced. The only recourse is generally to keep the down payment. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes if they have a smart attorney like people that uh, I know, they put in an attorney's fees clause so they can get not just the down payment, but the cost to have a judge order that they keep mm. the down payment. Otherwise, the attorney's fees often cost more than the down payment and there's no point in keeping it. So just to be clear, Laura, my friend at Newsday, I want to make sure everyone out there gets this. There's no court order ever that forces someone to buy. You cannot force someone to buy a contract. They, you have a freedom in the state of New York to breach a contract and have damage. Now, she was right that a buyer can force a seller to sell. And why can they do that? Because there's something called, what's the name of that lawsuit, Adriana? What do they force the seller to sell? Like the, a buyer wants to force it and they have a type of lawsuit and they wanna say, hey, I wanna force someone to sell. And what that are they going to do? Specific performance. And so they're going to do that. They're going to say, judge, order a specific performance where the seller has to sell the property. So that's one of the mistakes. There was another mistake. She also writes, and Morty, I know you're not a real estate attorney. You do employment law, but- I do you, contracts. You, you tell me about this one. If you are buying a home in New York State, the law requires you to hire a lawyer to negotiate the contract of the sale and represent you at the closing. You ever hear of something so crazy? That's pretty nuts. Why? You can force somebody to hire a lawyer. Like you can always represent yourself. You can represent yourself in court, pro se. You could. You, you don't have to hire an attorney. That's that's ludicrous. And I'm gonna tell you something else. Adriana and I were talking about upstate New York real estate brokers close the deal. And upstate New York, they, they close the deal because there's this thing called the Duncan and Hill Standard. And in the Duncan and Hill Standard, it says that if the local county and bar association have made a form contract, a broker can fill it out. However, if they didn't make a form contract, you need an attorney to draft a contract. Here's the key part for what Morty was saying, for a third party, meaning you could do it for yourself. But if someone's going to do it for someone else, they have to be an attorney or they have to be a licensee in real estate brokerage and using a form contract from the local counties, Bar and Realtors Association. This goes back to Judiciary Law 44, which says drafting deeds, leases as well, is a felony in the state of New York if you're doing it for money for another and you're not an attorney. So those are the two mistakes that she had. And I thought those were important things for us to bring up. But Laura, you said some good stuff too. You said some good stuff too. Laura said some reasons that a deal could fall apart. She said about a low appraisal contingency. She said about a mortgage contingency. She said about a death. She said a change in the property's condition. So Laura, I like that, that you were telling people that some deals don't go through. But is the deal really falling apart or was the deal subject to something? I think people convolute the two. Nobody understands what subject to is when they're signing those real estate well, contracts. Well, let's break it down. So you're buying a house for $500,000 and you say, if the house appraises at under four ninety, I get a right to cancel the contract. That's what low appraisal contingency means, that you've agreed that you're putting a hedge in. You ever heard of a hedge fund? You're putting a hedge in and you're saying, I value it at 500. But if a licensee in appraisals, could be a certified appraiser or a licensed appraiser, if they come in and they say, this is only worth 490. Well, I only want to buy it if it's worth what I say it's worth. Mm -hmm. So that's a contingency. That's a, and so you say to yourself, does that happen? Well, here's the question, Morty. He, I'm going to make you two offers. You're the seller. Ready? Option A. I'm going to offer you 498, 100% guaranteed deal. Cash? Cash. Or I'm going to offer you 500, 
with an appraisal contingency that says it has to appraise over 490. Might you take the other one, the 500, to get a few extra shekels? I'd probably take the 498. But you could take the other one, right? I could. It's possible. You could say, you'd say, hey, maybe this is worth more money to me. Right. When you have a way out, a hedge, someone else has to pay for that hedge. Isn't that true? Yeah. And what you said. I also like the idea of getting all cash. All right. So let's change the store to make it fun for you. (laughs) Okay. I will offer you 498 cash or 520 with a contingency that says if it doesn't appraise at 500, I get out. Yeah, that'll give me more to think about. How about 550? Okay. And what sold. is the number? So sold. at the end of the day, the point being though, Morty, at the end of the day, beyond you being difficult, <laughs> is that at the end of the day, there's always a number that you'd give me a hedge for Yeah. as I offer you more money. Do Correct. we agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. So the point is that the deal didn't fall apart for the low appraisal contingency. The deal was made at that valuation because the low appraisal contingency was part of the deal. As Morty said, he might want to take less money as the seller to not have that appraisal contingency in it. So really, the reason why the seller got the premium and the reason why the buyer has a chance to cancel the deal was the deal itself. It didn't fall apart. It functioned exactly like everyone anticipated in the first place. So I think that's an important one. The second one, she says, is a mortgage contingency. And Morty, you you just said all cash, didn't you? I did. But if I said there was a contingency that says my lender needs to offer me a commitment and say they're going to fund me some of the money based on my credit worthiness... Based on their appraisal, based on my loan-to-value ratio, based on my back-end debt-to-income ratio, based on my ability to qualify for a loan. If I don't qualify for the loan, you don't get to sell your house, right? Right. So while cash is better, you like cash better, the same rule applies that if I want that out, if I pay you a premium, I get that out. So again, Laura... It's not that the deal fell apart when the mortgage contingency gets. That's exactly how the deal was planned to be. Otherwise, what would have happened is the seller would have said, I'll take less money without any contingency. So sellers that are worried about these things falling apart, what should they do? Not have contingencies. I just want to interrupt for a second. So many people say the lawyers killed the deal. And that is just not true. The contract that they signed killed the deal. And they signed the contract based on the economics and the shifting of risk is what I'm getting at right now. Now, could it happen differently that a death kills a deal? Could it happen that, yeah, the seller died, so now, yeah, that someone happens. loses their job and then they lose the mortgage contingency. That means that you had the mortgage contingency yeah. in the first place, though, Morty. Correct. So if someone didn't have a mortgage contingency and they lose their job, tough noogies on them. Right. And so here's the thing. She goes from there and she says, hey, what can you do if the deal falls apart? And we talked about something a second ago. And I want to I address that a little. She talked about backup offers and there's usually another deal. But I think we start with the place of some deals are good to fall apart. So let's break down some math for a second. Let's just do a little math. Morty's selling me a house for a million bucks. How much money do you think, Adrian, I'm going to have to put down as my deposit on that? Only 100 grand, 10%. Yeah, usually about 10%, 100 grand. Morty, I do not have a mortgage contingency. Morty, I have no appraisal contingency. Morty, you don't die, I don't die, we're all healthy. 
Morty, her last suggestion was that it's subject and condition, that the condition of the property doesn't change, meaning that all your systems remain in working order, your roof is still in good condition, your walls don't fall down. And usually in a contract of sale, it says up to a certain amount of money, if like your AC breaks, you have to fix it. And after a certain amount of money, I could either waive it or I could cancel the deal. That's usually what a contract right. says. And usually there's mm-hmm. fighting about that before the closing. But no, it's on the contract at the first place. Right, right, right. right. But before the closing, that's when all that stuff is So anyway, about. my point being is that I have $100,000 down. Mm-hmm. Adriana, they weren't smart and they didn't put down that attorney's fee clause. So the only thing at dispute is $100,000. Mm-hmm. How much money... Let's say the AC breaks. To Morty's point, they're fighting about it during the contract, in between contract and closing. Let's say the AC breaks. A whole brand new AC system for the first floor of this house is going to cost you $15,000. The contract provides that the seller has to fix it up to $5,000. Okay? The seller says, I don't want to fix it because it needs a new AC. The buyer says, I can get it fixed for $5,000. You have to fix it. They get in a whole fight about it. Is the buyer going to spend their own money not getting attorney's fees to sue for specific performance for them to fix it with something with a max value fix of $15,000 when the attorney's fees to sue on this type of thing is going to cost over $50,000. I just want to do the math on this thing. To bring the lawsuit just to get an index number in the state of New York costs $210. To get a judge assigned costs $95. Every application to the court costs $45. That's setting aside the hundreds of dollars for the process server or the court stenographers. Oh, by the way, we didn't even talk about paying your attorney who might be charging somewhere between two and $700 an hour. And so the question becomes, on these issues, is the buyer really going to sue? So there's no free night court. So anyway, the point is that when we're going on this, when we're going on this, economics are what rule the day. Not mm-hmm. wrong or right. I was having a conversation with a pretty sophisticated broker. We were dealing with a hotel deal. We were having a whole conversation about it this morning. And he was saying to me something about how he felt about something. And he goes, I can resolve this issue if I have a good feeling. And I said back to him, man, it's all about math. When you do a, a, a evaluation, someone calls up Morty. He's a litigator. And they say, Morty, what should I do? Here's what goes on in Morty's head. What's the percentage that you're going to win legally based on the amount of cases I've seen on a similar topic? Do I think you have a 40% chance, a 30% chance, a 50% chance? He's not always right because percentages are more of a qualitative assessment as opposed to strict numbers. And the facts of a case change as you every go. day. Yeah. So you take that number, say it's 30%. And then you say the damages I could get are $100,000. And you multiply the two. And so that means that we're at a $30,000 issue. And then Morty, Morty puts an overlay. What's the cost of getting the $30,000? If you would spend $5,000 to get thirty, dollars it's a good idea. If you'd spend $50,000 to get thirty, dollars it's a terrible idea. And that's how decisions are made in real estate. So Lauren and I wrote- Unless there's an attorney's fees provision. Unless there's an attorney's yeah. fees provision. But even if there's an attorney's fees provision, as you and I both know, most cases settle 
before the judge sets Correct. the attorney's fees. And all the attorney's fees provision does is change your calculations Correct. of 30% times the 100 because you might be doing 30 times 125 when you're doing your numbers. And, but you'll use that attorney's fees provision in your negotiations. 100%. And so that's why Lauren and I, during this pandemic, wrote our book, 10 Strategies to Purchase Property Post-Pandemic. And we have a whole section, two chapters actually. One is... Are you actually in a contract yet? Meaning, should you go start expending money on due diligence and hiring inspectors and doing this, that, and everything else? Are you in the contract? Is it worth spending the money? And then the second one is, the second one is, are you in a contract? The first one is, don't be in an accidental contract. We call it accidental contracting. And you don't want to be, so the second one is, if you're in this contract, what are the rights and ramifications of the contract? So I guess what I want to say to Laura Ewan, Ewan, Awan, Ewan from Newsday, I think it's great you brought this to everyone's attention. And it's a major problem. We, we didn't even talk about it in your article. There's scheduling issues like we were hearing from Adriana. There's title report issues. You've been reading title reports of mm-hmm. 150 pages yep. with boundary line issues and old liens and open permits and CO issues and probate and this, that, and everything else. It's great you brought it to the forefront. But what you have to realize is that what to know when a contract falls apart? A contract doesn't fall apart. A contract is strategically breached. And smart business people know that every contract can be broken. And they have to afford for the right damages to adhere to their risk to make sure they make smart decisions when it's adhered to or broken. And that's why Adriana's who you should call at Liebet Law. See? You know why? Talking to you even when you're annoying is fun. Have a good week. It's the Liebcast. Find us on social media at Listen to Lieb or visit listen to Lieb.com. <laughs>